Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe verse 20, he said, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That word kingdom is actually two words. It's king's dominion. Anytime the king's dominion is present in a community or a region, there's unprecedented power that is there. And uh, Are you thankful for the king's dominion this morning in Cabot? Do you feel it here today? I feel his presence. Do give honor to your pastor, Brother Gaddy, in his absence this morning. He and Sister Gaddy respect them highly, their children, honor them, and also your ministry team I give high honor to. Uh, if you're a guest here, maybe you're one of the graduates from the Learn class and you're just, you're new to New Life in Cabot, uh, you are blessed with phenomenal leadership around here. Uh, if you didn't already know that, you do now. Uh, you have a great, great ministry team from the Gaddies on down. Very thankful for them. Sister Shirley, thank you after all these years for your passion and zeal for global missions. I could feel that in your presentation today. And I don't know if you remember me, but Brother Shirley, your sister and brother-in-law, Alan and Mary Brady, have forever made an impact on my life, probably more than anybody else. The early morning phone calls or both of them were on the phone with me. The emails for the past 15 to 18 years. And losing Brother Brady was like losing a pioneer in my life. And uh, I love them so very much. And I honor you folks today for your service as well. Jeremiah chapter 38 will be our chapter we'll read a text from this morning. I give honor to my pastor, Brother Melton. And I give honor to my wife and kids today, whom I love so much. And uh, I know they love me, but they don't always want to be drug away from our home church to travel with dad. But I told them we're going to church together today. And so the thing is, when church is over at our place, they can change clothes real quick, go to Mimi and Pop's house and start fishing on Sunday afternoon. So being with dad doesn't compare to fishing sometimes, but thankful for my boys and my daughter. I love them. Rebecca, honor her. Jeremiah chapter 38. Um, let's read down through verse number six for a text today. Jeremiah 38, we'll read verses one through six. <clears throat> if you're there, say, I got it. Then Shephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, and Jukal, the son of Shemaliah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey, and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death, for thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city, and the hands of all the people, and speaking such words unto them, 
For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. You'll be surprised at the people that will misunderstand you just for being obedient to God. And the more that we pursue obedience, the more folks are going to misunderstand us. Jeremiah was experiencing this very thing. Verse number 5. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon. Everybody say dungeon. Of Malchiah the son of Hamalek. That was in the court of the prison. They let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water. But mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. I want to talk to you this morning from one word. And that's restoration. Restoration. Can you lift your voices with me one more time? Let's pray for the king's dominion to be established here right now. Lord Jesus, God, I pray for every guest, every seasoned saint that is in this house this morning. Lord, I'm asking for your word to have free course, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would flow among us. Lord, I pray that your dominion would be established here, God, not just geographically, Lord, but in the hearts of each one of us in this place today. We need you here this morning, dear God. Let your word be clear in our hearts. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's always intrigued me the different personalities throughout Scripture, especially when it comes to the different prophets of the Old Testament. They all had their own personalities. They all had their, their own uh, particular giftings and how they ministered. And oftentimes their personality, just like with all of us, came out in their ministry. And if you read throughout the writings of Jeremiah, you'll, you'll see there's a trend there. Jeremiah was, he was a broken man. Matter of fact, most people have called Jeremiah the weeping prophet because he lamented over the words that he was instructed to give unto God's people. It wasn't just abrasiveness. It wasn't just judgment. But oftentimes, Jeremiah would lament over the message that he had to give. And so therefore, he was called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah stood alone in a generation of ear-tickling preaching. Because he was surrounded by men who were saying, Peace, peace, when there really was no peace. And so Jeremiah had a mandate from God to tell the truth to God's people. And so when you've got a group of people saying peace, when there really was no peace, and you were having to declare the word of the Lord through obedience, there was much conflict and resistance to the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah spent the majority of his ministry prophesying about the coming invasion of Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans. And therefore, the people that were closest to him didn't like what they heard. And so our text, we read about these particular princes, that they were fed up with all of the judgment that Jeremiah was delivering unto Judah. And so they went and inquired of the king, and they wanted to put Jeremiah to death. 
But instead of killing Jeremiah, they had orders or were given permission to cast him in to a dungeon. Everybody say dungeon. If you look in scripture, this, this principle of pits or dungeons or cisterns, they were really, they were the same thing. They were subterraneous vaults. And if you read in history, they're actually rounded. So once you entered in through the one portal, there was only one way in and there was only one way out. But once you went below the surface of the earth, those cisterns were rounded. And these dungeons that they had turned into prison cells uh, were once wells. And so a place where uh, once was a resource for life had now transitioned into a place with the intent to take life. And so Jeremiah, when he was placed in the dungeon, the people that put him there had no intention of him ever coming out of uh, that old cistern or that old well. It was simply a place where it was going to be his uh, demise. These cisterns were usually just large pits where somebody was placed to restrict them from having a voice any longer. Can you say amen? Most of these cisterns, since they were wells, they still had lids. And so when someone was placed, not just the court of the prison, but this was the lowest place they could be positioned or put. And they would usually place a lid on top of this dungeon. When Jeremiah was let down into this particular pit, the Bible says there was no water in it. But there was enough moisture in the dungeon that there was still mire in the bottom of it. Mire is simply a thick mud. It's almost, in essence, like quicksand because uh, when your feet touch the surface, you're going to eventually sink down. And that's exactly what happened to Jeremiah. The Bible says uh, that he sunk in the mire. If you read Psalm chapter 69... It's a psalm of David, but it's actually a messianic psalm. And so it's prophecy about Jesus. And so David pens, and I'm going to read uh, Psalm chapter 69, verse number 2. The prophet said, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. This is figurative of the condition that he was in spiritually. He says, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes foil or fail rather while I wait for my God. But what do you do in the waiting? What do you do when you find yourself in a place that you can't get out of on your own? What do you do when you're lowered into a place you never saw yourself in or a season you never foresaw coming in your life? Messianic psalm about Jesus. David was in a place or a season of his life that he saw no, no way of getting out of. But if you jump down to verse number 13 of Psalm 69, David, the prophet and king, said, But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God. In the multitude of thy tender mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up. 
And let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Can I tell you this morning that the purpose of the pit was to silence the voice of the one that was lowered in it. But I want to tell you, although their voices may have been silenced to those uh, that were around them, there was one to whom their voices were never silenced. And when David found himself in the mire, he knew he was not going to be able to get out of that place on his own. And so when nobody else could hear his voice, he knew there was one that could. And so he lifted his voice unto the Lord. And he knew the way of salvation from sinking in the mire was through answered prayer and a cry unto God. You see, the pit... The intention was to eliminate influence. It was to silence the voice. It was a place where they were going to be overlooked. You look throughout history, this particular means was used. You can go back to Genesis. And when Joseph's brother, they, 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 his brothers couldn't kill him, what'd they do? They lowered him down into a pit. It was an intention to silence the voice of Joseph. He was misunderstood because of what he was experiencing. And so instead of killing him, the next best thing was simply to uh, silence him. Joseph was discovering his giftings, but those that were closest to him couldn't deal with what God was doing in him, and so they silenced him. You look at David. David found himself figuratively. He said, I sink in the mire. And Lord, while I'm here, I'm praying. Don't let the mouth of this dungeon close itself in upon me. Jeremiah in 38 of his prophecy finds himself in the same scenario. And I've come to preach to somebody this morning. You feel like you found yourself in the mire. And the more you fight, the more you feel yourself sinking. I want to tell you to stop resisting today. And you need to begin to lift your voice. Because your only hope of deliverance is for help. And your help comes from one place. Your help comes from the Lord. Amen. Amen. You look at Lamentations chapter 3. This is... Years later, after this particular instance in Jeremiah's life. And now, Lamentations, the writing of Jeremiah, he's crying aloud. He's looking at the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 51, Jeremiah says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Mine enemies chased me sore like a bird without cause. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. Waters flowed over mine head. Then I said, I am cut off. I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, fear not. O Lord, Thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. I've come to tell somebody that Jeremiah did not die in the mire. And you're not going to die there either. Felt very strongly here this week to come preach to somebody who you feel like your ministry is in the mire. 
And you feel like your voice has been silenced to those even sitting next to you in the chairs today. But I want to tell you, there's one individual who your voice has not silenced to. A matter of fact, when you stop trying to fight against the scenario you're in and simply transition that to prayer, the Lord's ear is inclined unto your prayer. The adversaries of Jeremiah wanted to do one thing, and that was to silence his voice. And so they lowered him to a place where nobody could hear him. But once he stopped resisting the season and started to lift his voice, God wasn't going to leave him there. I'm telling somebody this morning, your ministry's not going to end in the mire. You need to give yourself the more focused prayer. Lift your voice unto him, and God will send help but our tendency is to resist the season and here's what I've learned there are two ways that you can end up in the pit people place you there or you fall in on your own but there's only one way out and you have to have help you have to have help the Lord can always send reinforcements, but you've got to begin to lift your voice. And oftentimes, lifting our voice, God will quicken people. But I feel like I need to tell somebody this morning, you need to let people help you. You've got to allow people to help. You feel like your ministry's over with. You found yourself floundering around and nobody can hear you. Nobody seems to see exactly what you're going through. If you read in Psalm 69, he talks about the exact same thing. Nobody around me was there to help me, but he knew where to direct his voice, the only one that can give him help. I want to tell somebody today, your ministry is not over. It's not over. You know what the mire does? The mire is paralytic because you can't fight it. The more you fight it, the more you find yourself sinking. And so, for some here today, you feel like your ministry is in a paralyzed state. And it is. But it's not going to end there. God's got a way out. I was reminded this week of, of how much the mire seems insurmountable. I sat in my office the man who's going through the trial of his life. And he's broken... People around him are broken. And when you're going through seasons where the more you fight, the more you find yourself sinking, it seems absolutely insurmountable. But here's what I know. I'm sitting across my desk from this man, and as he's talking about where he is, and it seems like he's never going to get out, and all the damage and all this stuff, I'm thinking, how can God restore this? Because I want to tell somebody, God specializes in restoration. God's not looking to leave you there. Your circumstance and people around you, the adversary wants you to think you're never going to be restored. Your ministry's never going to flourish. You've seen the end of your ministry, but God specializes in restoration. God is a God of restoration. Matter of fact, spiritual people are people of restoration. The apostle says if you see your brother overtaken in a fall, you that are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering your own self. And so if you feel like you're in a place that's insurmountable, I want to tell you this morning, you've got a couple of things going for you and that God is a God of restoration and that spiritual people are people of restoration. People here in this church this morning are not looking to leave you there. They're looking for a way to lift you up out of the mire and see your ministry restored. I don't care if it's transition in ministry seasons. I don't care if it's failure. I don't care what it is. God is a God of restoration. Why don't you lift your hands to him right now and thank him for his spirit of restoration. You know what happens whenever we feel like we'll never get out of a particular season? We lose our focus. And we get distracted. And so we start writing off dreams that God had given us. We start intentionally trying to forget about promises that were made to us. And even commitments and consecrations we've made to God. And being in the mire will cause you to do that. And I've come this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost just to resurrect somebody's memory. Everything that God's told you, the ministry ambitions that you've given up on, don't give up on those things. But Shane Clark, I've been thinking about you all week as God dealt with my heart this morning. Ministry's not over. There's a new season just ahead. There are those in this room today, you've gotten called up in pursuing, pursuing after professions and you've drowned out all the call of ministry that used to echo in your spirit all the time. I want to tell you, God's a God of restoration. Any ministry you've given up on, God wants to restore it. Can you say in Jesus' name? I was praying this morning. And if you're, if you're involved in speaking ministry, it's nice, legitimate, to have confirmation sometimes. And uh, I left the house this morning, came back home, got the kids, Rebecca, we all were headed this way. And we have a... A, um, I guess you can call it tradition as a family. When we go minister somewhere, as soon as we cross the geographical county line, city line, we, we begin to pray as we move into that city. And um, we're praying this morning, and, and I, I hear Rebecca say at the end of our prayer, she, she echoes the word restoration. And I, you can ask her, I rarely, she, she doesn't know what I'm ministering about, so I usually step in the pulpit if she's with me. And I said, that's, that's the title I'm given this morning. And she said, all I could pray about this morning was restoration when I was in prayer. I need that confirmation, but I believe God wants to give somebody confirmation. You've been praying for somebody to hear your voice. Where you are, you feel like nobody understands. You feel like people have given up on your giftings and your ministry. But I'm telling this morning, God wants to restore your pursuit of his passion and passion for his will. My prayer this morning was that God would loose an authority here that would silence the voice that has tried to silence your voice. All the negative thoughts that keep coming to your mind that, that you're never going to see your way out of this. My prayer this morning was that God would loose an authority here that would silence that voice 
that has silenced yours for so long. I want to reiterate what I said a moment ago. Sometimes, matter of fact, all times that I've seen, if you want to get out of the mire, you can't do it by yourself. And the longer we're there, the more we kind of resist anybody else's help. Jeremiah chapter 38, I'm going to pick up reading with verse number 7. <clears throat> Jeremiah 38, verse number 7. The Bible says, Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee. Then take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. When Jeremiah lifted his voice to God for help, although no one else seemingly, seemingly could hear his voice, God found help in the form of an Ethiopian servant named Ebedmelech. That was simply a name given to him that meant a servant of the king. I want to tell somebody this morning that your help is going to come from somebody who you least expected it to come from. There's somebody maybe sitting across the church from you that may have a word of wisdom for you that will help lift you up out of the mire. But for Jeremiah, those who should have trusted, those who should have validated his ministry, betrayed him. And so the Lord sent a simple servant of a king. With permission, he went and gathered these rags and clouts and left them down into the mire into the dungeon and lifted Jeremiah out of the place that he was. Jeremiah was too weak to get out on his own. He was in a place that required the help of Ebedmelech. And so you've probably heard people preach about being sunk in the mire, maybe Jeremiah's particular situation. Wednesday, the Lord began to talk to my heart because this is more about individual restoration. If you're here today, I want to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord in a matter of moments can restore everything you've given up on. In the matter of moments. Everything that you, you've drowned out because you've chased professions and businesses 
in the matter of one moment, God can restore all the dreams and ambitions for ministry. I feel just to nudge the Holy Ghost here lately just to, to stir the local assembly up to put a priority on ministry. Especially you don't feel like you're supposed to be in a pulpit. Seeking God's kingdom and it first has to be the priority in all of our lives. This, this week the Lord began to deal with my heart because it's not about restoration just about individual ministries. It's not about restoration from failure. It's about a ministry that God's trying to give new life cabinet. And God's trying to give this church a ministry of restoration. Now it's not like, not like what you think. I know you've got a lot of recovery ministries and all of that should be on the top of our list. But there are going to be people in ministry who are going to be misunderstood. And because they are misunderstood, people are going to try to silence their voices in our movement. But God is going to give, you have to relay this to Brother Gaddy, God's going to give ministry to New Life Cabot that you're going to be able to help restore people who others have tried to silence. When those closest to Jeremiah didn't want to acknowledge his gifting. God sent somebody named Ebed-Melech who saw the necessity of Jeremiah's ministry. And can I tell you, when he was raised from the cistern, he remained there in the court of the prison. You continue to read there. He was hesitant the next few verses about using his gifting. And there are going to be people that God connects to this church. They may come stay here for a season. There may be a ministry couple who didn't fail, but has simply faced rejection because people have questioned their ministry. Did you know that Judah or that Jeremiah was called one of the last uh, uh, prophetic, prophet statesmen of Judah? That he was one of the last men who had political influence. Uh, and those who should have listened to his voice silenced him. Now, for those of you who are guests this morning, I want to say this very tenderly. There is a, a spirit in the world today that is doing everything it can to silence prophetic voices. And there are going to be people who come and they find their ministry in the mire because of betrayal. They were simply trying to be obedient to God. But God's going to send them here because this church got a, has a ministry of restoration that's going to lift them up out of the mire. That's going to acknowledge and validate their ministry. And not just acknowledge and validate it, but going to help see it restored to how God intended for it to be used in the last days. That's why your pastor has been involved in so many things. It's not just an office of district superintendent. Because there's a ministry of restoration that rests upon him. He's spiritual. And spiritual people want to see people restored. I don't care what they've fallen into. I don't care how bad of a moral failure. God is a God of restoration. And God's people are people of restoration. You want to know why so many people, so many ministry couples in this church have been fighting in the mire? Because God's trying to prepare this church to be a church that has a specialized ministry in restoration. 
that when somebody comes here and they've been misunderstood, that Pastor Gaddy can connect them with somebody who's been exactly where they are and can help elevate them out of that place and the platform God's called them to operate in in these last days. They can do it confidently. They can do it boldly because there's a people that has a ministry of restoration. Why don't you stand right now? Let's lift our hands to Jesus here this morning. Come on, let your voice out here for a moment. Let's just yield ourselves to the presence of the Lord. This morning, stay standing if you will. There is an agenda of the adversary, and it goes back to the book of Acts. The spirit of Antichrist has always tried to silence the voices of apostolic ministry. What do they do when they arrested the apostles? See that you speak no more in this name. It was all about silencing, silencing, silencing. And the agenda of the adversary is to silence true apostolic ministry. Because we live in a generation of people that love ear-tickling preaching. But I said this to your ministry team recently. And I'll say it again. The Apostle Paul said twice that our authority is not given for your destruction, but for your edification. And so true... True men of God, true women of God, their intention is to edify, not to destroy. But there is still an agenda to silence apostolic voices, people who pursue God, who want to do the right thing. And there are going to be folks who are misunderstood that are simply trying to be obedient to God. And here's the Lord. I sat in my office Monday. And I'd, I'd been through some things over the past week, I'll just say it like that. And I was telling the Lord, my heart, although he knows, he searches the thoughts and the intents of all of our hearts. But God, I want to be obedient. Everything you ask me, anything you want me to say. Um, one man of God said he prays his prayer every day. God, I'm going to walk in kingdom purpose today. I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing. I want to say what you're saying. I've been praying that prayer. But I sat in my office in dismay over a particular situation. And the Lord led me to Acts chapter 24, maybe verse 16, somewhere around there. And here's the Apostle Paul said. He said, I exercise myself that I always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. You know what Ibed Melech was? 
He was a man that wasn't trying to answer to the people around him. He wanted his conscience to be clean before God. And he knew he couldn't leave Jeremiah in the cistern and his conscience be pure. And so I said, Lord, I want to have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward men. But this church, you're going to see people who are trying to be obedient to God. They simply don't want to offend God or men. They're living their life to be obedient. But they're going to be misunderstood. And the ministry of Abed-Melech was when people were trying to silence a much-needed voice. He saw the necessity of it. And he lifted him out of that place. And if you read the next few verses, Jeremiah was hesitant to even prophesy to Zedekiah again because he thought that he was going to be killed for his gifting. But after he was assured that he wasn't going to be killed, what happened? He started prophesying again because he knew that he had to be obedient to God. I want to tell somebody's ministry today. You feel like your voice has been silenced? You feel like you found yourself in the mire? You've been flailing around just to sink even further? In just a matter of moments, when you're lifted out of that place, your gifting never went away. As soon as Jeremiah found himself back to a position where he could, he began to prophesy again to the king because his office and gifting never went away just because he was in the mire. Why don't you lift your hands to Jesus one more time? Come on, I feel the hand of restoration of the Lord here this place this morning. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what mistakes you've made. You feel like you'll never get back to a place where God can use you. Maybe you've given up on the call to ministry. You've gotten so busy and years have gone by. And you think, I'm 40 now. I'm 45 now. I'm 55 now. I can't start pursuing ministry now. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost, God, the God of restoration. And he is not a man that he should lie. If God called you to ministry, that ministry still waiting on you to get out of the mire. That gifting still there. In the name of Jesus, in the name, come on, let your voice out here for a moment. Jesus I'm done I want to give you a chance to come to the altar but I want to tell you this and I'm thankful sister Gaddy is here this morning but when you set your mind on seeing people restored people are going to talk about who you're associating with they're going to question your motives but you got to set in your mind today I want to see everybody restored that I can see restored. 
going to be times people are going to question the motive of this church. But your heart is set on a ministry of restoration. Even above, beyond what you've experienced up until this point. And I want to say this. Can you, can you get Jeremiah 39, verse 15, maybe through 19? I'm going to read this and I'm done. There is a benefit and there is a reward to acknowledging giftings in people. And not just acknowledging this necessity, but making sure they have room to be who God's called them to be. And here, here's, the, here's, I hate to use the word problem, but here's something I see. We want everybody to be put into a box. And if they don't fit in that box, they're not going to be successful. But this church is called to allow people to be who God's called them to be. And to restore anyone whose voice has been signed. Here's the reward of, of restoration ministry. Jeremiah 39, verse 15. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison. So he was out of the dungeon, but he was still in the court. His gifting's operating. Go and speak to Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good. And they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord, and thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword. But thy life shall be for a prey unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. When you put your trust in God, you forget about the opinions of men. There's an unparalleled blessing that comes the ministry of restoration. And if this church will give yourself diligently to restoring people, not, not from failure, but people who are trying to find themselves in their office and their giftings, and you will give yourself to acknowledging the necessity of those ministries, there's an unparalleled blessing God has for this church. But you got to give yourself to ministry of restoration. Lift your hands one more time all over this place. If you're here this morning, you feel like you want to be restored. You need to be restored. Maybe, maybe your ministry's been wallowing in the mire and you're, you're tired of where you are. I've come with a word for you. God's heard your prayers. Uh, nobody else may see or hear the cry, but I'm telling you, God's heard your prayers. Uh, and he's letting down those old cloths, those old cast clouts today. And God wants you to lift you out of the place that you're stuck in. If you need restoration, why don't you step out from where you are right now and walk down to this front and let the healing balm of Gilead begin to flow over your mind, over your heart, over your spirit right now. Shatete malababariade. Harababahaye.